Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I am so pleased that you are joining me today. If you are one of our new listeners, you are warmly welcome to spend uh, time with me today as we explore another topic of our discipleship. So if you're a new listener, uh, just to let you know how this works, uh, this podcast is about 25, 30 minutes. They're not much longer than that. They're the perfect length for a car journey. And in this ep- this podcast, we basically explore a different topic each week on discipleship or spiritual formation. You know, essentially, how do we walk in the way of Jesus? Uh, so each week we look at a different topic. Sometimes it's an interview and sometimes it's looking at a passage of scripture. Sometimes it's looking at a theological idea or it might be looking at a discipline around your formation. Today, we're going to be exploring 1 Peter chapter 2 a chosen and precious cornerstone. Uh, The passage we're going to look at today was written by the disciple Peter. And in it, he talks about Jesus. And he talks about what this thing that he talks about, what's the implication on our lives. So that's what we're going to be exploring today. A couple of things as we kind of head on. Uh, I've just come back from spring harvest. So uh, I'm buzzing. We've seen God really at work. Uh, if you have been at Spring Harvest and that's what, why you picked up listening to this podcast, you are warmly, warmly welcome. I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, for those that noticed there was a, a couple of weeks missing, well, that's because I was at Spring Harvest and uh, and that's why we didn't have an episode. If you've not picked up a copy yet of the two books that I've had published this season, so the Bible Book by Book, second edition, or Restore, Renew, Rebuild, both books that have come out uh, this Easter. I'd love you to pick up a copy of them. The reason I mention Restore, Renew, Rebuild specifically is this, uh, what spring season, I guess, the big church read is using Restore, Renew, Rebuild. The big church read is a way of trying to encourage the church to read Christian books. And the new book that I've written, Restore, Renew, Rebuild, is the book for the season for the Big Church Read. So I'd love you to join me. Uh, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to the Big Church Read if you are interested in looking at how you might look at that new book that I've published uh, as a part of your church small group. You might find that interesting. Anyway, here we go. Today we're going to explore the topic of a chosen and precious cornerstone found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 onwards. So let us jump in. I want to read to us today from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 to 10. I'm going to try and go through it quite quickly because there's just a few things I want to draw out and it's quite a, it's quite a long reading. So let me jump in as I read this to us. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. As you come to him, that's Jesus, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, are offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. 
They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. And verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you were not receiving mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love that last little bit. I love it. Once you were not receiving mercy, but now, because of Jesus, you are receiving mercy. Friends, this passage essentially has two different people in it or groups in it. One is Jesus and the other is us. So I first want to talk about Jesus. Jesus in this passage, there's a number of verses in here that have a a clear descriptor for Jesus. Now, Peter was a fisherman. One Peter is written by the disciple Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Uh, But he will have known about building. He didn't know about making properties out of stone. And in it, he uses this beautiful analogy. That's a building analogy. It's from a, a, from a building site. And in verse 4, it said this, As you come to him, that's Jesus, the living stone. So Peter describes Jesus as the living stone. In verse 6, he says that this living stone is chosen and a precious cornerstone. Then in verse 7, it says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone stone so peter describes jesus as a living stone and he describes him as a corner stone and i think i just want to focus on that for a moment what does it mean that jesus is a living corner stone see a cornerstone friends was the first brick to be laid when you were building a property the first brick to be laid was the cornerstone And as it was laid, it would then be the brick of which the plumb line and the measuring line were used uh, to make sure you built a property that genuinely was square. A plumb line is the line that you use with a weight to measure the up and down, the vertical. And the measuring line is the left and right. It's the horizontal. So the, 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 the cornerstone was put in place And from that cornerstone, you would then be able to measure out the length of your building, but also the the up and down. So you'd be able to build your property straight. See, friends, the cornerstone is the foundation stone and it is the direction stone. The cornerstone, the first brick that you would lay is the brick that you you would use for the foundation but it's also the brick that you would use for the direction. So you would clarify the direction that you were building your property in using the corner stone. So what does that mean for us? Friends, we need to build around Jesus and not Jesus around us. Uh, Without Jesus as the central cornerstone, the central stone, Uh, All of our plans and all of our activities will essentially be built wonky. If Jesus is not the cornerstone of our lives, that everything that we aim to do in life and everything that we aim to build will eventually build wonky. We have to build our lives around Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So if Jesus 
is a late addition to your life. If you've become a follower of Jesus later in life, or if you've become a follower of Jesus late in your teens, this is really difficult. It's really hard for us. If you've grown up as a member of a church, if you've grown up making Jesus from a very young age the cornerstone of your life, this will be much easier. But if you have come to faith later in life, what I'm going to talk about today is incredibly difficult. Because if we become a follower of Jesus later in life, we have already been building our lives using different cornerstones. It's very likely that the cornerstone of our lives is me, my ego, uh, my self-will. So let's just back up for a minute. If Jesus isn't your cornerstone and you've never thought of Jesus being the, the cornerstone, the thing that you build your life around, then we are all building our lives around something. It's either our self-will, it's either our uh, security or status. For some, our cornerstone is the desire to be powerful. Uh, some of us, our cornerstone is the desire to have money. So, for example, if you have a cornerstone, if your desire in life is to own a mansion house in the country where you've got a number of horses and you want a B-Day and a sauna, I don't know, something like that, that's your cornerstone. If that's what your desire in life, and then you start building your life towards that, you start making choices towards that, decisions towards that, you start orientating your life towards the possibility of making that happen, and then you meet Jesus, and you now are inviting Jesus into your life, to now change your cornerstone is really difficult. And that's what I'm trying to get to. It's really hard for us once you've built your life around a different cornerstone. So if your cornerstone is that you want to get married, have children, have a nice house, successful career, and become known for the career that you're doing, if that's your cornerstone, and you now become a follower of Jesus, and you want to make Jesus your cornerstone, those two cornerstones are in contrast to each other which means it is really hard to make some fundamental changes to the property that you are building, the life that you are building. If Jesus is a late addition to your life, it's hard to make the changes that you might need to make. We might need to remove some of what we have building as the thing that we've been building is no longer fit for purpose now that we're making Jesus the cornerstone of our lives. So let me really make this simple for us. If you have grown up with uh, your self-will as the cornerstone of your life. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's the cornerstone of your life. So you've been building your life to the measuring rod of that. It says, I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, kind of when I want and use the resources that I have. You are building your life in a direction towards that. And then you want to bring Jesus in as the cornerstone. Well, Jesus says the complete opposite. Uh, when we're wanting to build towards security and, and safety, Jesus never promises us security uh, and safety. So actually he's going in a different direction. When we are building towards having uh, stable finances in our lives, Jesus never promises that. In fact, he pro promises the opposite, that we should become generous. Um, when we are making decisions that benefit me, Jesus wants us to build our lives towards being generous towards others and blessing others. So you can see... 
these two cornerstones can be pulling in two opposite directions. And you try to implement Jesus in your life and it just becomes a mess. You end up with a building site that makes no sense. And the problem for some of us is that's exactly what's happened. We've tried to make Jesus the cornerstone of our lives, but we've already been building our lives in a different direction, which is totally opposite to Jesus. And now we bring Jesus in and all we can do is try to make him an addition to our lives, not the cornerstone of our lives. So let me just say that again. The danger is if you become a believer of Jesus later in life and you've been building your life towards your own kind of cornerstone, cornerstone of self-will or security or power all these alternative cornerstones and then you try to bring Jesus in the danger really is because you've already been building your life away from Jesus the best you can come up with is trying to make Jesus the addition to your life rather than the foundation and the cornerstone of your life which friends is really difficult the only thing we can do is to remove the false cornerstones that we've been building our lives out of to put Christ in that place and then using the teachings of Jesus and the work of the Spirit as the plumb line and the measuring line for us to rebuild. So if you have been building your life wonky to, to set it right with Jesus as the cornerstone we may need to remove things in our lives that no longer work. There may be friendships that no longer work. Uh, it may be that if you are with somebody, your partner in your life is building their life in a totally different direction. We, we have a challenge to ask ourselves, is this person going to join me making Jesus the cornerstone of my life? Or is actually this relationship I'm in really unhealthy and unhelpful? And it's not going to help me build the direction I need to build. And that's a, that is a challenging I, I don't know what to say into that other than you really need to pray uh, about the, the future footsteps of your life. So Jesus is the cornerstone, which means he's the foundation stone and he's the direction stone of our lives. And it may well be if we've got false cornerstones in our lives, we are going to have to do some hard work of removing. How do we do that? Confession. Uh, physically removing desires or things from our lives that are not going to be helpful so i'm going to leave that with you jesus is the living stone he's the cornerstone so that's jesus that's who he is and what he wants for our lives so with that in mind friends let's now talk about us and what this means friends because jesus is the cornerstone we together as followers of Jesus are being knitted together alongside Jesus as the cornerstone as living stones as people who are building a living community that will change the very places that we live so well, let me explain it like this architecture friends changes environments when you have a philosophy of architecture that's about colour and vibrancy. It's about the flourishing of people. So your architecture in your neighbourhood is all about creating space. It's all about creating beautiful things. The architecture, those buildings, those bricks and mortar, they have a lasting effect on the environment. So if you live in a place where buildings are designed to have space, buildings that are designed uh, uh, to be colourful that will change the environment 
I live in an environment in East London where everything is grey, everything is black and white, and Tower Hamlets, where I live, they love the colour brown. Everything's brown. Uh, new builds going up are all brown. So we live in this space of greys and browns. Uh, colours that when they get dirty, they just uh, lose any sense of vibrancy. And because of this, I live in a neighbourhood that has real problems with depression and anxiety and stress. And I think a part of it comes out of the architecture. We don't have tons of green space. Uh, we're not surrounded by trees and fields. We're surrounded by concrete blocks that affects the environment. In the same way, we, friends, are being built with Jesus as living stones. The church is a group of people making Christ, Jesus, the cornerstone, and we're living stones building our lives around Jesus. Because we are living stones building our lives around Jesus, there will be environmental changes because of that. We are living architecture, and this living architecture also changes the environment, like bricks and mortar change the environment. Living stones change the environment. So the people of God, the living stones of God, are making a change in the neighborhood. A friend of mine said this week, I love this, the church is the people, not the steeple. The church is the living stones. These living stones are being built together uh, to bring the transformation of an environment and a place. Now the promise in scripture, so if we go back to verse 9, it says in verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I'm going to walk through these uh, four things that are describing God's people. So we are told we're chosen people, we're told we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a special possession. I wonder what you think about yourself. Many of us have a view of ourselves uh, that is far lower than what we would ever accept anybody to say about themselves. We see so uh, low of ourselves. We, uh, we don't think very highly at all. We think we are skillless. We think we're talentless. We think we're not seen, that we're not noticed, that we've got nothing to offer. We have these negative voices in our heads and in our hearts undermining us all the time. Friends, some of us have got those things from our childhood. Some things have been said to us in the workplace. Uh, I revealed to a, a friend just today, a number of years ago, I was speaking at a conference. And that evening, I was asked to go to the comedy venue where they were unpacking the comedy venue, what I'd been preaching on in the day. And have a bit of banter and a laugh. So I thought, that sounds great. So I went along, I had a banter, a bit of a laugh. I thought it was all right. I thought we had good fun. That night I went and got in bed. And the accommodation that we were in had wafer-thin walls. And I'm laid in bed and I heard the gentleman from the room next door come in. And his wife says to him, I'm presuming it's his wife. Uh, but the lady says to him, uh, where have you been? And he says, oh, I went to the comedy venue. She says, oh, who was there? And he said, that idiot from Yorkshire was there. And he went on to say some stuff about me. This was now maybe about nine years ago. For years, that voice of that man sat in my head, that guy, the idiot from Yorkshire was there. 
and it totally undermined me for the rest of that conference I spent my time just floating around in the shadows I didn't want to be seen I didn't want to be noticed uh, it really it was like somebody had punched me it just hurt in my heart what this person had said about me and that voice you know that voice sat in my head for many many years it wasn't for uh, about maybe four years later that somebody actually called it out and said Chris I feel like the Lord is telling me that you heard somebody say something about you one night and it sat in your mind and it's just it's created harm to you you're not walking in the power that God wants you to walk in because it, this this thing this person said has undermined you and they were so right <clears throat> what is it you think about yourself the passage that we have here says four things about you so I want to walk through these for a moment <clears throat> number one friends you are a chosen people what does that mean that means that you are seen it means you that you are noticed that God has spotted you and not only has he spotted you he has picked you he's picked you out of the crowd you are seen you are noticed God is watching you and he sees your face in the crowd and he has chosen you you're one of his chosen children do you know that do you know that you are chosen by the father as a dearly loved child of God do you know that you are chosen by him he's picked you out of the crowd he loves you do you know that some of us we know that in our head but we do not know it in our hearts we know it in our head but it's not made its way to our hearts my prayer is that God may uh, work in you by his spirit that you don't just know this in your head but you come to know it in your heart but you are a chosen people. You are picked, you are spotted, and you are noticed. So number one, you're chosen. Number two, a royal priesthood. There's two things here, royal and priesthood. And they've Paul, Peter's put these together. Let's look at royal for a moment. How are you royal? You are royal because King Jesus sits on the throne. Jesus is King Jesus. And King Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he has adopted you into his household. You are now an adopted son and daughter of King Jesus. Because you're an adopted son or daughter of the king, you aren't just an adopted son or daughter, you are a royal son or daughter you now are a part of the royal household i love this do you realize you know people i often see people in my area little girls wearing t-shirts saying i'm a princess actually one of the things i really struggle with is there was a line of t-shirts that were out a few years ago where um the it's from primani where the girls t-shirt said princess and the boys line of t-shirts said naughty boy or cheeky monkey uh, which I thought was really sad. But friends, we are princes and princesses of King Jesus. So you're royal. And it says royal priesthood. Why priesthood? Friends, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Those of us that come from traditions of church that use the term priest have paralyzed ourselves from truly walking in what it means to all be priests. I'm a priest who is there to serve the priesthood everyone we are all 
priests in God's family. Now, what is a priest? A priest is a individual that is connecting the divine and humanity together. I love this idea that as a priest, we reach out, we take the hand of God and we reach out, take the hand of the people of God and we put the two hands together. The role of the priest is to connect the divine and humanity together. We stand in the gap, uh, representing the people to God and God to the people. So we are all priesthood. All of us have a role uh, being like God's representative to the world. So you're a chosen people, means you're picked. You're, you're a royal priesthood. You're adopted into royalty as a priest. And then it says you are a you are a holy nation. Now, many of us have got the wrong idea of holiness. So when many of us think of holiness, we think that there's rules and regulations that if we only were to live our lives by those rules and regulations, then we might be holy. Holy, or some of us think that holiness is about being sin free, which it is partly, definitely. Uh, but holiness is about trying to stay sin free. I want to give a, an alternative way of understanding holiness. So remember the bit in Matthew where Jesus says, you are salt of the earth. Salt of the earth was a particular kind of salt. The sea salt comes out of the Dead Sea. And then you've got uh, salt of the earth that comes out of the ground, salt that's already mixed with soil. That was a cheaper kind of salt. But the way it would be used is that uh, they didn't have toilets 2,000 years ago, so if you needed a loo, you go to the outskirt of the village uh, or behind your property. You would dig a hole, you would do your business, and you'd take a shovel of salt of the earth and you'd put it on the filth, and it was a way of decomposing the filth, and the salt would become like an antiseptic on the filth. We, Jesus says, you are like salt of the earth. We, friends, are holy in the sense that we are a holy antiseptic. That wherever we go, we are an antiseptic. Our holiness is bringing transformation by us being in the very place that we find ourselves. So when you get on the bus, you are coming as a holy antiseptic. As you step into the workplace, you're coming as a holy antiseptic to bring something transformational by the very nature that you are there. You are holy. Many of us struggle with this idea of being holy. We look at ourselves and we go, I, 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 I definitely associate myself as a sinner saved by God's grace. But I don't see myself as someone holy. Well, you are holy. If you're saved by God's grace, you are becoming holy. And this holiness inside of you is like this holy antiseptic coming to bring transformation wherever you go. So you're a chosen person, you're royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, a holy people, bringing this transformation by being this antiseptic. Then the, the fourth thing it says is this, you are a special possession. That, friends, is a quote straight from the Exodus story. In the Exodus story of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, that whole section, if you're not listening to the podcast episode on this, just jump back a few episodes to see the Exodus episode. <clears throat> but in the Exodus story, uh, the Ten Commandments is set out as a Jewish wedding. And the way God talks about his people in, in the Exodus chapter 19 is he describes them as his treasured possession, which is marriage language. It's the language that came at a Jewish wedding. Uh, the, the bride would be the groom's treasured possession. 
So we're described here as the special possession, which is essentially the same language. Um, it's the same phraseology. It's just a, a Greek version of it rather than the Hebrew version of it. But friends, we are God's special possession. We are his bride. God is looking to have a romantic relationship with us. That's what God is after. He wants to come and have a romantic relationship with you and I. He wants us to be his bride. He wants us to be his lover, his lover. We are God's treasured possession, his bride and his lover. So friends, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and God's special or treasured possession. That is who you are. And I want to ask you this question as I end. Friends, do you know this about yourself? Do you know that God has chosen you? Do you know that God has adopted you into his royal household? Friends, do you know that you are a holy antiseptic? Do you know that you are God's bride, his treasured possession? Do you know this about yourself? Friends, this is what God knows about you. He knows that you are chosen, royal, holy and special. This is what he knows about you. You have got a whole load of voices in you that are telling you things about yourself that are just not true. And if you make Jesus your cornerstone, your precious stone, your um, the, the brick that you build your life out of, the brick that is your foundation stone, but also your direction stone, by doing that, your identity changes and you become somebody picked out from the crowd, somebody that's adopted into the royalty, somebody who's a salt, a holy antiseptic, and someone who is God's treasured possession. My prayer is that you may come to know, not only in your head, but in your hearts, that this is who you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus comes as our cornerstone, the foundation stone and the direction stone of our lives. Lord, many of us have got other cornerstones which are conflicting cornerstones, causing us a whole string of trouble. God, help us to rip up the false cornerstones that we may truly build our lives around Jesus Christ and nothing else. And once we have done that, Lord, may we come to know that we are chosen, that we are adopted, that we are an antiseptic, and that we are your romantic bride. May we come to know that about ourselves, not only in our heads, but also in our hearts. We pray that in the risen name of Jesus Christ. And all the saints said, Amen. Friends, until next week, grace and peace. 